This is KUCI Irvine, and welcome to part two of What Would Arwen Do? Shelf Princess, that is such great music by Howard Shore. Indeed it is. I love, that's from the original soundtrack recording of The Fellowship of the Ring, the track Concerning the Hobbits. And the music from the Shire is most certainly some of my favorite music from the Lord of the Rings movies. And, uh, you know, we've talked about in the past having a show about the music of the Lord of the Rings, which surely we will have to do one of these days before too long, perhaps in uh, January before the next quarter starts when we still are covering this second hour um, after our original show, when you come back from your uh, holiday adventures. So oh, my gosh. something to think about. Right. <clears throat> and so if people are just tuning in, this is part two of December 7th, 2010, What Would Arwen Do? with our Hobbit host, Milo Lonesdown and... Elvish co-host Tani Tanuviel, welcome to the show to all of our listeners here at KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My gosh, and you told me something today which really shocked me that you had seen at Tolkien Online. <laughs> Some request by yes. one of the people in the... Yes, it seems that with some of my uh, friends, and if anyone is still listening in from Tolkien Online, perhaps Scribbles, Silver Scribe up in Canada, or Vana in Washington, and Roe down in Escondido, um, last week someone posted something to the effect that they love your voice, which I love your voice, and your reading, the readings that you do on the program, and wouldn't it be wonderful if The Hobbit would read the entire Hobbit book for us. And a couple of people uh, mentioned that they would they would certainly line up to get that audio recording. So today, in kind of honor of uh, the holidays and as a special um, gift to those uh, who have expressed such delight at your reading voice, and because we have, hopefully, we have the Cub Scout uh, troop showing up soon, which I will have to take a little brief um, trip out of the studio to show them around before bringing them in. So you graciously agreed to a reading from The Hobbit, did you not? Yes, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful reading from The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, professor of philology for many years at Oxford. This is the book called The Hobbit, or There and Back Again, the revised edition, mm-hmm. because as we know, the original edition, the original edition based on the Red Book of Westmarch, had certain inaccuracies that had been inconsistencies that had been promulgated by Bilbo in the original telling, 
Uh, this is the revised version that tells the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> but that is in a later chapter where most of those revisions had to be made. This is the first chapter, An Unexpected Party. Yes. And this is the part kind of leading up to an unexpected adventure. Yes. and this So what's a little bit of the background here? Well, this is where we're briefly introduced to hobbits. We're introduced mm-hmm. to Bilbo Baggins. And we are getting ready for the arrival of Gandalf the Wizard. Yes. And this is before Bilbo finds out about dwarves and dragons, adventures, and spiders, and all that other kind of material. And I had asked you earlier about um, where you were going to begin reading, but I think I'd like to ask you to read... Also, starting from the previous yes. paragraph. Yes, gives, I was since just Since we have a little that. more time, it gives us a little more insight into yes. Gandalf. Yes. From An Unexpected Party, Chapter 1 of The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. By some curious chance, one morning long ago in the quiet of the world, when there was less noise and more green, and the hobbits were still numerous and prosperous, and Bilbo Baggins was standing at his door after breakfast, smoking an enormous long wooden pipe that reached nearly down to his woolly toes, which were neatly brushed, Gandalf came by. Gandalf, if you had heard only a quarter of what I have heard about him, and I have only heard very little of all there is to hear, you would be prepared for any sort of remarkable tale. Tales and adventures sprouted up all over the place, wherever he went, in the most extraordinary fashion. Gandalf had not been down that way under the hill for ages and ages, not since his friend the old Took died, in fact, and the hobbits had almost forgotten what he looked like. He had been away over the hill and across the water, on business of his own since they were all small hobbit boys and hobbit girls. All that the unsuspecting Bilbo saw that morning was an old man with a staff. He had a tall pointed blue hat a long gray cloak, a silver scarf over which a white beard hung down below his waist, and immense black boots. "'Good morning,' said Bilbo, and he meant it. The sun was shining and the grass was very green. But Gandalf looked at him from under long bushy eyebrows that stuck out further than the brim of his shady hat. "'What do you mean?' he said. "'Do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not, or that you feel good this morning?' or that it is a morning to be good on. All of them at once, said Bilbo, and a very fine morning for a pipe of tobacco out of doors into the bargain. If you have a pipe about you, sit down and have a fill of mine. There's no hurry, we have all the day before us. Then Bilbo sat down on a seat by his door, crossed his legs, and blew out a beautiful gray ring of smoke that sailed up into the air without breaking and floated away over the hill. "'Very pretty,' said Gandalf. "'But I have no time to blow smoke rings this morning. "'I am looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging, "'and it's very difficult to find anyone.' "'I should think so in these parts. "'We are plain quiet folk and have no use for adventures. "'Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. "'I can't think what anybody sees in them.' said our Mr. Baggins, and stuck one thumb behind his braces and blew out another, even bigger smoke ring. Then he took out his morning letters and began to read, pretending to take no more notice of the old man. He had decided that he was not quite his sort and wanted him to go away. 
But the old wizard did not move. He stood leaning on his stick and gazing at the hobbit without saying anything, till Bilbo got quite uncomfortable and even a little cross. "'Good morning,' he said at last. "'We don't want any adventures here, thank you. "'You might try over the hill or across the water.' By this he meant that the conversation was at an end. "'What a lot of things you do use good morning for,' said Gandalf. "'Now you mean that you want to get rid of me, "'and that it won't be good until I move off.' "'Not at all, not at all, my dear sir. "'Let me see. I don't think I know your name.' "'Yes, yes, my dear sir, and I do know your name, Mr. Bilbo Baggins, "'and you do know my name, though you don't remember that I belong to it. "'I am Gandalf, and Gandalf means me. "'To think that I should have lived to be good-morninged by Belladonna Took's son "'as if I was selling buttons at the door. "'Gandalf, Gandalf, good gracious me, not the wandering wizard that gave old Took "'a pair of magic diamond studs that fastened themselves and never came undone till ordered?' not the fellow who used to tell such wonderful tales at parties about dragons and goblins and giants and the rescue of princesses and the unexpected luck of widows' sons, not the man that used to make such particularly excellent fireworks. I remember those. Old Took used to have them on Midsummer's Eve. Splendid! They used to go up like great lilies and snapdragons and laburnums of fire and hang in the twilight all evening. You will notice already that Mr. Baggins was not quite so prosy as he liked to believe, also that he was very fond of flowers. Dear me, he went on, not the Gandalf who was responsible for so many quiet lads and lasses going off into the blue for mad adventures, anything from climbing trees to visiting elves, or sailing in ships, sailing to other shores. Bless me, life used to be quite inter... I mean, you used to upset things badly in these parts once upon a time. "'I beg your pardon, but I have no idea you were still in business.' "'Where else would I be?' said the wizard. "'All the same, I am pleased to find you remember something about me. "'You seem to remember my fireworks kindly, at any rate, and that is not without hope. "'Indeed, for your old grandfather Took's sake, and for the sake of poor Belladonna, "'I will give you what you asked for.' "'I beg your pardon, I haven't asked for anything.' "'Yes, you have, twice now. My pardon?' I give it to you. In fact, I will go so far as to send you on this adventure. Very amusing for me, very good for you, and profitable, too, very likely, if you ever get over it. Sorry, I don't want any adventures, thank you. Not today. Good morning. But please come to tea any time you like. Why not tomorrow? Come tomorrow. Goodbye. With that, the hobbit turned and scuttled inside his round green door and shut it quickly as he dared, not to seem rude. Wizards, after all, are wizards. "'What on earth did I ask him to tea for?' Bilbo said to himself as he went to the pantry. He had only just had breakfast, but he thought a cake or two and a drink of something would do him good after his fright. Gandalf, in the meantime, was still standing outside the door and laughing long but quietly. After a while he stepped up and with the spike of his staff scratched a queer sign on the hobbit's beautiful green front door. Then he strode away, just about the time when Bilbo was finishing his second cake and beginning <laughs> to think that he had escaped adventures very well. The next day he had almost forgotten about Gandalf. He did not remember things very well unless he put them down on his engagement tablet. Like this, Gandalf T. Wednesday. Yesterday he had been too flustered to do anything of the kind. 
Just before tea time, there came a tremendous ring on the front door bell. And then he remembered. He rushed and put on the kettle, and put out another cup and saucer, and an extra cake or two, and ran to the door. I am so sorry to keep you waiting, he was going to say, when he saw that it was not Gandalf at all. It was a dwarf with a blue beard tucked into a golden belt, and very bright eyes under his dark green hood. As soon as the door was opened, he pushed inside, just as if he had been long expected. He hung his hooded cloak on the nearest peg, and, Dwaylin at your service, he said with a low bow. Bilbo Baggins at yours, said the hobbit, too surprised to ask any questions for the moment. When the silence that followed had been uncomfortable, he added, I am just about to take tea. Pray come and have some with me. A little stiff, perhaps, but he meant it kindly. And what would you do if an uninvited dwarf came and hung his things up in your hall without a word of explanation? <laughs> that is so delightful. Thank you so much for that reading. Unbelievable, unbelievable prose. When you think about it, it's just so unbelievably precious. Just marvelous English and marvelous sentiments and wordplay. Good yes. morning. Good morning can mean so many things. It could mean, go away, I don't want to talk to you. Yes. And one of my favorite lines is uh, where Gandalf says, uh, mentions something about himself and his name, although you might not remember that I belong to it, <laughs> to that name. Um, so we're talking a little bit about adventures and having some new adventures during the holiday season. And the holiday season is a good time to have adventures. It is. It is a time when you can think about renewal, when things are mm. cold or rainy, you can think about doing something different. Many people have vacation time or holiday right. time, time away from work or time away from school, and that is a perfect time to take advantage of it. And instead of watching the television set, think about new adventures, going out and meeting new people, doing new things, volunteering at some place that needs your help, reading a new book by a new author, Right. Or even just spending some time in nature or going for a walk in your neighborhood. One of the things I love, um, and, and I do love it, is when people put lights up in their house. And I, uh, just last week, I went for a walk down on Balboa Island with a friend. And oh my gosh, it was so lovely. So many of the houses had really gone to great lengths to decorate in a way that was so pretty. There was one house that was all decorated and the yard was full of um, penguins, not real penguins, of course, but um, just Christmas penguins. And it was just delightful. And I always see these, uh, not everyone can do it or afford to do it, but I always like to appreciate the houses in my neighborhood or wherever I visit that have gone to all of these links to decorate. Because to me, it's like a gift to me. They're inside the house. I'm the one walking by admiring all of this beauty. So, um, a lot of times, you know, some of the things that we can enjoy the most are or just visiting nurseries that have beautiful um, Christmas tree displays and things like that. It's free to go to hotels, and it's amazing. Some of the hotels, mm. particularly the ones at Disneyland, which I visited this weekend with one of my nieces, are just beautifully decorated for the holidays. They have beautiful trees with beautiful decorations. They have garlands. They have wreaths. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds of displays of toys and other whimsical things. 
it's just a, a beautiful thing to do. Go on an adventure. Find some new place that you haven't gone before and see what their approach to the holidays is. Or even if you go someplace that you've been before, what you can do is go and pretend that you've never been there before and try to see with new eyes. Exactly right. You know, just go, maybe go to a mall or something that has a lot of trees and pretend like this is the first time you've ever been to a mall and seen Christmas trees. And just try to allow that sense of awe to come into your experience. Um, we also... Um, it doesn't. The, our uh, scout troop hasn't arrived yet, so hopefully we. Um, well, you know, we, we, I we was. Having, it, it, it maybe be maybe has gotten scheduled for another day, and and we didn't quite get the communique. But, but we, before then, mm-hmm. I want to play some more music. One of my favorite pieces of music from the Fellowship of the Ring, if I may. Absolutely. And I thought we would also uh, take a little time as a gift to our listeners, uh, maybe after the music, to play the professor himself. Oh, my gosh, yes. Reading about a fellow who was quite adventure-prone. Very (laughs) adventure-prone, very mindful of his surroundings and very adventure-prone. But first, please, some Hobbit music. What do you think about that? I think it's wonderful. You are listening to KCI in Irvine, Orange County's alternative radio station, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Absolutely amazing, wonderful music from The Lord of the Rings, that from the complete recordings. Unbelievable. What tracks tracks were those, dear Hobbit? That was from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings in this beautiful red-bound case that has not only three CDs of music, but also has a DVD with 5.1 surround sound that you can listen to if you have a if you have a very fancy one of those fancy home theater setups <laughs> it's a beautiful thing and we listen to both tracks 2 and 3 which are uh, the shire and then bag end where and we a- hear gandalf Surian mckellen humming yes i absolutely love that and so we're always i at, at least i am um Always welcoming additional music, additional things from these movies that I love so much. And for me, part of the beauty and majesty and magic of these movies was, in fact, the soundtracks. I fell in love with it in the initial movie of The Fellowship of the Ring. And I remember, actually, when The Two Towers came out, uh, another friend that I met through Tolkien Online, my favorite uh, message board, we stood in line for The Two Towers at Big Newport. 
and sang Christmas carols. <laughs> oh, my gosh, uh, yes. So we stood in line to see the midnight showing of The Two Towers, uh, December 20th or 21st, whichever it was, in 2002. And... One of the things I couldn't wait to hear, because um, I'm one of those people who I don't like to, any spoilers. So a, a lot of people like to hear and you know glean everything they can before the movies come out. I just wanted to ex- experience them without having any spoilers. So I was so excited to f- to hear, especially what was going to be the music of Rohan. And of course, I was most certainly not disappointed. The, the music that Howard Shore composed for all of these different areas of Middle Earth and these different peoples and weaving them all together was just absolutely magic. And, uh, and beautiful. Not only magical and beautiful. It's very difficult, Elf Princess, for a music composer to compose music that is good for both film and independent listening. Mm. We have really, really great music, for instance, by Bernard Herrmann, the composer that Alfred Hitchcock used on almost all of his films. And that music is absolutely riveting and brilliant in the context of the visuals. Mm-hmm. But listened to by itself, I must say, is it doesn't stand alone very well. Yes. And then there are other pieces that have been composed many times by really good composers Mm -hmm. that sound good by themselves (laughs) but do not sound do not amplify the film do not add anything to the visuals it's just nice music to be in the background right howard shore's achievement one of his many achievements was the ability to compose music that sounds really great for the film and also sounds really great all by itself absolutely and thank you for introducing me to that because I actually, before meeting you, had not listened to the music independent of the films. Oh, really? I had oh, not. Oh. Well, thank you. And thank you so for because much as I love the films, I for me the films were an introduction to the world of Middle Earth, and uh, so actually I when I discovered the Fellowship of the Ring, I didn't begin reading it until after I'd seen the movies quite a few times, and I did not read The Two Towers or in either of the other two books until after I'd seen the movies, because I just wanted to have the experience of the movie and let it be what it was, and then to read the book, um, you know, which gave a lot more information and elaborated on a lot more things. So um, you have helped me in a lot of ways, too, to ex- um appreciate aspects of the movies and movie making that I would not have been aware of. Thank you, Elf Princess, but the pleasure has really been all mine. We should mention this is KUCI Irvine, the voice of the University of California at Irvine, here in Irvine, California, part of Orange County, where you'll also find wonderful things such as Disneyland and the beautiful bay and back bay areas of Newport Beach, the tremendous surfing of Huntington Beach, where the, and the Wedge in Newport. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There's so much wonderful things. And I should mention KUCI.org is 24 by 7 on the Internet. And if you'd like to comment on the program or ask a question of the elf, Tani Tanuvial is the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. You can send her emails at askanelf at yahoo.com. That's ask. A-N-E-L-F at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. And um, so 
I do have a little update <laughs> on our proposed adventure report for today. We were going to have an adventure today with some special in-studio guests. We were. We were going to be having a Cub Scout group come in, which um, I've had before. They're a lot of fun. I love uh, interviewing and talking to the scouts. However, it turns out that there was a little a misunderstanding about the date that they're actually coming. They're going to be coming on a different day uh, during a different show. So... We will be having an adventure ourselves for the remainder of this hour without without the Cub Scouts, but it will be fun. And speaking of um, adventures and mindfulness, we this will give us an opportunity to share a reading from the professor with our listeners. Oh my gosh, the the Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, has acquired this wonderful item. It is called. The J.R.R. Tolkien Audio Collection. It's a CD audio read by J.R.R. Tolkien and some parts read by his son Christopher Tolkien. Four CDs in there. And there's four CDs in this Cademan-produced set. Four and a half hours of glorious, wonderful reading by these two gentlemen. It is ISBN number 0-694-52570. And I'll remind our listeners that KUCITalk.org is where you can go and get podcasts of many KUCI programs, including this one, What Would Arwen Do? So, um, previously in our first hour of today's programming from uh, 4 to 5 p.m., we were talking about uh, the concept of mindfulness during the holiday season, of being mindful and intentional about uh, how we move through this uh, uh, season of festivities and uh, hopefully peace. This is the, ce- the, the time of the year that um, is to be celebrating peace on earth and goodwill toward our fellow man. And hopefully, and, and creatures. And women, and, and other creatures. And creatures. I'm, you know, in the context of mankind, yes, and creatures. And um, so... Um, there were many interesting choices in the movie. Yes. When you think about The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy has a lot of stuff. And oh. when you look at the extended editions, currently on DVD, rumored to be coming on Blu-ray format, but when you look at the material there, there's much wonderful material. But there are some things omitted. Well, and I and I feel that... that and you, I, probably I, on the first uh, viewing Elf Princess, weren't aware of it, but well, I was keenly aware I, of it. Yes, I, I wasn't aware of it, but even after I was, I... You know, I think, and I had heard a lot of people complain, oh, this didn't get in and this was changed. I have always looked at the movies as a separate art presentation, a, a, a separate creative presentation of the work of J.R. Tolkien in Middle Earth. And so in that respect, I just love what Peter Jackson said. I, I, you know, yes, some things might have been different or whatever, but I just loved the way it all was coherent and worked. And uh, yes, I would have loved to have seen how some things might have come to the screen. But also, I mean, we have to realize as it was, you have to look at what's happening for the theaters as well. If they have a movie that's three, three and a half hours long, uh, you know, they still can only sell one ticket to that to that movie. And whereas they, you know, in the span of seven hours, they could get three movies in. In the span of seven hours, they can get two movies in. And so that it's a matter for the theaters as well as um, for the cost of production, you know, for these longer movies. And so there's, 
I feel that because each movie, even in its original format, was quite long, almost, I think, three hours, each one of them. And you can only bring so many things to the screen. And there's more than that. You're exactly right in saying that film is a different art form. The best films made from books, and it's very difficult to make a good movie from a good book, the best films are made from original material or from short stories or poems but if, or, or short plays, but if you have to take a book, you do what Peter Jackson and Philippa Boyens and Fran Walsh did. They looked at the entire material and they said, how do we capture the spirit of what's happening in this massive epic saga? Uh-huh. And they did an excellent job of that. If they had injected Tom Bombadil into the movies, it would have it would have slowed the progress of time down. And film like music, is really about time. Mm-hmm. As Eisenstein, the great, the brilliant Russian filmmaker of the early 20th century said, the essence of cinema is montage. Montage is the essence of cinema. That means editing. The manipulation of time is of essence. And so for them to have put in Tom Bombadil, it would have made for just one too many characters, one too many scenes, even in the extended version. So and uh, I, ways, I think they made a, a good choice there as well. And in some ways, when you look at the Hobbit's um, experience with Tom Bombadil, it isn't tied to anything else in the story in the sense of it's not tied to the success or failure of the ring. It's not tied to as... Um, as the story, you know, the the events in Rivendell, the events in Lothlorien, the events in Rohan and in Gondor, these all were connected to the quest for the ring. Even though it's a place where the hobbits were, it wasn't. In a, does that make sense? In a, in yes. a sense, connected. Yes. You could t- you could leave it out without right. it affecting the story of as though there was a hole in something. Whereas in the novel, it plays a very important point, and it shows that there are that the ring's power was not absolute, mm-hmm. that the ring could not control every single thing in Middle-earth. Right. And Tom Bombadil was so mindful, was so aware of his surroundings, that the ring did not really have that sway over him. Right. And we see also a beautiful picture in this experience of the Hobbits with Tom Bombadil and the love, I believe, also that J.R. Tolkien had for nature. Yes. Because Tom Bombadil was, you know, the guardian of his forest and he and Goldberry there. Uh, we see such a wonderful interaction and um, synergy between Tom Bombadil, Gold, Goldberry, and uh, and the the force that they lived in, which was almost like a set-aside, enchanted place. Well, before we bore our listeners, <laughs> I think we should give them a taste. This is from the Cademan release, the J.R.R. Tolkien audio collection. This is CD2, mm-hmm. selection number 20, read by the professor, Professor J.R.R. Tolkien, Old Tom Bombadil. Enjoy. Old Tom Bombadil was a merry fellow. Bright blue his jacket was and his boots were yellow. Green were his girdle and his breeches all of leather. He wore in his tall hat a swan-wing feather. He lived up under hill, where the withy windle ran from a grassy well down into the dingle. Old Tom in summertime walked about the meadows, gathering the buttercups, running after shadows, 
tickling the bumblebees that buzzed among the flowers, sitting by the waterside for hours upon hours. There his beard dangled long down into the water. Up came Goldberry, the river woman's daughter, pulled Tom's hanging hair. In he went a-wallowing, under the water lilies bubbling and a-swallowing. "'Hey, Tom Bombadil, where are you going?' said fair Goldberry. "'Bubbles you are blowing, frightening the finny fish and the brown water rat, "'starching the dab chicks and drowning your feather hat. "'You bring it back again, there's a pretty maiden,' said Tom Bombadil. "'I do not care for wading. "'Go down, sleep again where the pools are shady, "'far below willow roots, little water lady. "'Back to our mother's house in the deepest hollow,' swam young Goldberry, but Tommy would not follow. On knotted willow roots he sat in sunny weather, drying his yellow boots and his draggled feather. Up woke Willow Man, began upon his singing, sang Tom fast asleep under branches swinging. In a crack caught him tight, snick, he closed together, trapped Tom Bombadil, coat and hat and feather. Ah, Tom Bombadil, what be you a-thinking?' Peeping inside my tree, watching me a-drinking, deep in my wooden house, tickling me with feather, dripping wet down my face like a rainy weather. You let me out again, old man Willow. I'm stiff lying here, they're no sort of pillow, your hard, crooked roots. Drink your river water. Go back to sleep again, like the river daughter. Willow man let him loose when he heard him speaking, locked fast his wooden house, muttering and creaking, whispering inside the tree. Out from Willow Dingle, Tom went, walking on up the withy windle. Under the forest eaves he sat a while a-listening. On the boughs, piping birds were chirruping and whistling. Butterflies about his head went quivering and winking, until grey clouds came up as the sun was sinking. Then Tom hurried on. Rain began to shiver, round rings splattering in the running river. The wind blew, shaken leaves, chilly drops were dripping. Into a sheltering hole old Tom went skipping. Out came Badger Brock with his snowy forehead and his dark blinking eyes. In the hill he quarried with his wife and many sons. By the coat they caught him, pulled him inside their earth, down their tunnels brought him. Inside their secret house, there they sat a-mumbling. Oh, Tom Bombadil, where you come tumbling, bursting in the front door? Badger folk have caught you. You'll never find it out the way that we have brought you. Now, old Badger Brock, do you hear me talking? You show me out at once, I must be a-walking. Show me to your back door under briar roses, then clean grimy paws, wipe your earthy noses. Go back to sleep again on your straw pillow, like fair Goldbury and old man Willow. Then all the badger folk said, We beg your pardon. They showed Tom out again, to their thorny garden, went back and hid themselves, a-shivering and a-shaking, blocked up all their doors, earth together raking. Rain had passed, the sky was clear, and in the summer gloaming old Tom Bombadil laughed as he came homing, unlocked his door again and opened up a shutter. In the kitchen round the lamp moths began to flutter. Tom through the window saw waking stars come winking, and the new slender moon early westward sinking. Dark came under hill. Tommy lit a candle. Upstairs creaking went, turned the door handle. Oh, Tom Bombadil, look what night has brought you. I'm here behind the door, now at last I've caught you. You'd forgotten Barrow White dwelling in the old mound up there on hilltop, with a ring of stones round. He's got loose again. Under earth he'll take you, poor Tom Bombadil. Pale and cold he'll make you. Go out, shut the door, and never come back after. Take away gleaming eyes, take your hollow laughter. Go back to Grassy Mound, 
on your stony pillow, lay down your bony head like old man Willow, like young Goldberry and badger folk in Burrow, go back to buried gold and forgotten sorrow. Out fled Burrow White through the window leaping, through the yard over wall like a shadow sweeping, uphill wailing went back to leaning stone rings, back under lonely mound, rattling his bone rings. Old Tom Bombadil lay upon the pillow, sweeter than Goldberry, quieter than the willow, snugger than the badger folk or the barrow dwellers, slept like a humming top, snored like a bellows. He woke in morning light, whistled like a starling, sang, Come, daddy doll, merry doll, me darling. He capped on his battered hat, boots and coat and feather, opened the window wide to the sunny weather. Wise old Bombadil, he was a wary fellow, bright blue his jacket was and his boots were yellow. None ever caught old Tom in upland or in dingle, walking the forest bars or by the withy window, or out on the lily pools in boat upon the water. But one day Tom he went and caught the river daughter, in green gown, flowing hair, sitting in the rushes, singing old water songs to birds upon the bushes. He caught her, held her fast. Water rats went scuttering, reeds hissed, herons cried, and her heart was fluttering. Said Tom Bombadil, here's my pretty maiden, you shall come home with me. The table is all laden, yellow cream, honeycomb, white bread and butter, roses of the window sill and peeping round the shutter. You shall come under hill. Never mind your mother in a deep weedy pool. There you'll find no lover. Old Tom Bombadil had a merry wedding, crowned all with buttercups, hat and feathers shedding. His bride with forget-me-nots and flag lilies for garland was robed all in silver green. He sang like a starling, hummed like a honeybee, lilted to the fiddle, "'clasping his river-maid round her slender middle. "'Lamps gleamed within his house, and white was the bedding. "'In the bright honeymoon badger-folk came treading, "'danced down under hill, "'and old man Willow tapped-tapped at window-pane "'as they slept on the pillow. "'On the bank in the reeds, river-woman sighing, "'heard old Barrow-White in his mound crying. "'Old Tom Bombadil heeded not the voices, "'taps, knocks, dancing feet, all the nightly noises.' Slept till the sun arose and sang like a starling, Hey, come, derry doll, merry doll, me darling. Sitting on the doorstep, chopping sticks of willow, While fair Goldberry combed her tresses yellow. Sounds of the Anteater Kingdom On 88.9 FM, KUCI, in Irvine. For thought-provoking interviews and discussion... Listen to Subversity with show host Dan Tsang here on this station, Mondays at 5 p.m. a very, very interesting set of, of ideas for other programs you can listen to here yes. on KUCI. I should also mention, coming up shortly, we have Bunnies in Space. The uh, program following here is Bunnies in Space. Bunny Beats 
from Beyond the Stars with Admiral Bunn. In fact, one of my favorite things is being on the air here on Tuesdays, kind of sandwiched between pixelated harmonies and bunnies in space, because both of them just have such fun, upbeat music that makes you want to dance or move, or I just, anyway, I just, those are two of my favorite shows. Well, two of my favorite shows are on Mondays from 10 to 1, you have Jeff with the blues disease playing uh-huh. great blues music for three hours. And then Jake Bacon with Buffalo Bayou oh, yes. from Zydeco. 1 to 4 p.m. Pacific time every Monday. Oh, my gosh. Great Zydeco Cajun music. Uh, just wonderful. And I could probably almost promise that there's no mainstream music station out there that's playing Zydeco music. <laughs> That is one of the wonderful things about KUCI is that we are an alternative radio station. We are underground. We are not mainstream. And you will get to hear and be introduced to bands and music that you would ordinarily not even be aware of. And um, so today, Milo, my dear Hobbit, I thought we might take just a few moments in our last few minutes of the program today to thank all the people that listen not only to our program but to KCI and um, give their support through listening and also their financial support. In so many ways, there are lots of local businesses that allow us to put our KUCI program guide in their businesses, and I believe those are listed on our website. And there are businesses that support our programming with giving us uh, gifts to give out. If you go to our website at KUCI.org, you can see there different shows. Uh, A lot of them, especially the music shows here, have ticket giveaways where they give away tickets to local bands and music uh, venues that are just fantastic. And then also people just make special donations, and it's that time of the year. It's that time of the year, and if you wish, you can go to KUCI.org, and at the top there is a link called Support Us. When you click on Support Us, you can help support KUCI if you wish. There are a number of ways. You can make a financial donation. You could post our KUCI banner on your website Mm. or post a streaming player for KUCI on your website or distribute the program guide at your business. Or you could become a sponsor. That's right. And we have underwriting opportunities. Yes. Perhaps you are a business owner and you might like to underwrite one of the programs here. We have um, ways that you can do that. So isn't, is there a, well, those things are up on the website. Isn't yes. there a regular contact, in, contact email for KUCI? Um, we should know this, shouldn't we? <laughs> If there is one, um, well, you can um, you can always email. Um, how about if we have people? Let's just say that they can email us. Ask an elf at yahoo dot com. Ask an elf at yahoo dot com. I didn't know if it was appropriate to just give out um, any of the managers' um, email addresses, but they can email us. Ask an elf at yahoo.com and I will most certainly get back to someone and let them know any information send them a media packet for how they can underwrite the program or any other ways maybe somebody has a new computer or printer or something that they would like to donate to us we are a non-profit organization so all gifts are tax deductible yes in order to contact KUCI.org there are so many varieties of of ways to contact us, it's best to go to KUCI.org 
and click on contact. That will give you complete <laughs> information about how to how to contact KUCI, and UCI is the parent organization. So, yes. so there is there is a generic address KUCI at KUCI dot org. But again. Uh, go to KUCI.org and click on contact yes. at the top and you will see. So um, with that said, uh, speaking of gift giving, um, I would love to invite our listeners to come back next week when we will be again having a two-hour show. But next week we will be celebrating um, some of the works of J.R. Tolkien and uh, especially for, uh, highlighting the letters of Father Christmas that was edited and helped put together by Bailey Tolkien, Christopher Tolkien's wife. And I believe we will have some uh, things to play an interview with Bailey Tolkien. Yes, we will. And also we will have some very special gift giveaways of our own next week because hobbits and elves love to give gifts. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Yes, we do. There will be <laughs> gift giving next week. Absolutely. So, but that almost wraps it up for our time today, does it not? Oh, my gosh, Elf Princess. It's so wonderful sitting here with you for two hours talking to our <laughs> listeners, both the live listeners as well as those of you who are listening to the podcast after the fact. KUCI is live 24 by 7. They were one of the first internet radio stations of any college. Mm. They were one of the very first podcasting elements on the iTunes podcast store, free, always. Our podcasts are all free. There are just so many, so many wonderful things. So, so that's it about for today. And of course, uh, it's always a delight to be here with you, my dear Hobbit Milo. Loms down, and until next week, of course, Ellen Salalumen Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And I think, you know, we had Hobbit music earlier, mm-hmm. and I think it would be nice to listen to more of Into the West. It's like we're going into oh, the West, okay. and we will be back next week, but we're going into the West. And this is not the Into the West, by the way, that is part of the movies. No, this was uh, this is sung by my friend Coco B, who is um, hosted a radio show here at KCI called Yogi World. I'm hoping she will be back with that show sometime soon uh, when she has other a uh, little more time to be able to do that. But she's also an uh, an incredible singer in, in her own right, and um, graciously recorded this version, this magical, mystical version of Into the West, for us to share that beautiful song. Academy Award-winning music from The Return of the King. And so we will see you next week. This is KUCI Irvine, Elf Princess. And Namaria.